Welcome back to the next episode of Pop Topic. We're here to discuss all the latest news for the last two weeks, uh, starting off the November month of 2021. To help break everything down, we have Tristan. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. How are you? I, I'm doing great. This, I think, uh, you know, at least on my end, this has been the two weeks I've been waiting for. Last Night in Soho and French Dispatch both came out over the last two weeks. Same day, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. They both came out the same day, uh, but it was within these last two weeks. And then the exact same day, the Mario Party game that I, that I was looking forward to came out. So it was a pretty good 24 hours. The big day for Quentin. <laughs> yeah, that was a Quentin Pack day for sure. You know, I think everybody gets their own day a year, and uh, October 29th was for me. That was the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think everyone had it on their calendars. Quentin Day. Oh, okay, I wonder what that means. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. finally. Yeah, exactly. Finally, a day for me. Oh, Waiting for this yeah. one to pop up. Yeah, I'm sure the viewers were worried I was going to have a rant about French Dispatch not being released. It's okay, guys. It was on 29th, so they just made the day more special exactly yeah, yeah i'm sure they're <laughs> anticipating but anyways now what about you tris what's new with you nothing i uh just before we started podcasting here i ran out and picked up the new super mario party game nice we're probably doing a couple games of that in tonight nice nice but funny that you say that i'm playing it with uh well our old co-host well dog and then my old roommate the three of us are all gonna be playing it tonight so you know i'm, I'm excited yeah. for that they come over to your place to play it, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, they're going to come over to my place since neither of them have the Switch. But yeah, yeah uh, I've been, I start speedrunning it. I've played, I've played way too much of this game already. I really like it. Um, I haven't even opened it up yet, but I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, uh, you know, this isn't much of a video game podcast. We won't get too much into it, but it has to be my favorite Mario Party ever. I don't know if it's like recency bias because I've only had it for two weeks uh, or even a week and a half, really, but I love it. Uh, it's got, Tons of fun minigames, Tristan. It's got, like, the best roster of games. Yeah, the minigames seem really cool. The boards all seem really cool. My only thing is, are there any items in the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are? Yeah. Because that was one thing I, I couldn't really... No, nothing was mentioned about that, really. And I sort of saw some people use just, like, extra dice roll items and nothing, like, cool or anything like that. Okay. I really miss the item system they had on Mario Party 7. Where you could play items onto spots, and then when people land on that spot, bad stuff would happen to them. Because that was the best form of the items, rather than just giving you like better dice rolls or whatever. Yeah, or I do actually like that, you. yeah. No, I remember that as well. Then, yeah, and you could stack up a whole bunch in, in, in a row. So like, if you had six in a row, no matter what, they pretty much have to land on one of your items that you just played there, and you're screwing them over. And of course, you try to hide like the really good ones in amongst the, the lesser good ones, so your opponents have no idea which one they're landing on, because they'll have the same symbol on them. It got fun. I, I really wish they would bring that item system back. And I also really like the customized dice block from Super Mario Party. That's not in this game either. Yeah. But other than that, everything else in this game looks pretty much the best that I've seen so far. The boards look awesome. The animations look awesome. The, the minigames look awesome. It looks like a really fun, classic Mario Party game. Yeah, one of the boards, one of the gimmicks, Tristan, is uh, you can plant stuff on the board. Yeah, that's the cake one, right? Yeah. So that's a gimmick for one of the boards. And maybe that's why they don't have it as like an item ability since it's already a gimmick for one Yeah, of the and I think maybe the popularity of that board on, I think that one was on Mario Party 3 or 2. I believe I one. think maybe the popularity of the cake board is where they kind of came up with the idea for the putting items on yeah. spot and all the maps for number 7. 
Yeah, I mean, you have a soft spot for seven because it's really the one we grew up with. But a crazy, yeah, yeah. a crazy reveal for me, Tristan, at least. Um, so uh, on Mario Party Superstars, there's like a card where you can put your four favorite mini games. You can put your favorite board of the five in this game, and then you can also put your favorite Mario Party game from the franchise. Right. The least favorite Mario Party game is Mario Party Seven. The least? It is it is last place, Tristan. It is below 9 and 10. You know what? I'm going to put it as my favorite. It's my favorite. It I my put favorite. as my favorite, Trist. I don't know why. Like, is there's, like, what were the issues with that game? I don't know. It boggled my mind. I, I remember me and you loved that game, so I was very, very shocked to well, find that, out. And also, like, when I look, like, I haven't heard anything bad about that game either. No. You know what I mean? I, I hear way more people talk about number 6 as being the best on the GameCube. I think number seven is the best in the GameCube. But I haven't heard anybody say number seven was bad. In fact, everyone always says number eight was when they started to go downhill, implying number seven was still good. They always say once they hit the Wii, it started to go downhill. So number seven, in my mind, I thought was pretty beloved by everyone, just sort of known as not quite as good at six, but still really, really good. It's how I thought the general consensus of seven was. Yeah. So I'm shocked that's But it's, it's to figure out the favorite, right? So what it is is everyone picks their favorite. So my assumption is... If you have the GameCube era, you're probably going to go for four, five, or six, and seven might yeah. be the least popular of that four. And then, you know, eight, nine, and ten are boosted up just by like the kids because those are the only ones that they've played. So I think I it, feel yeah. like, I think you're right. I think it coming after six, but before sort of the decline of the series is why it's so low because it's too old. It's too new to be nostalgic, but too old to have any sort of recency bias. Yeah. And like normal people, if you have the GameCube, you're probably going to pick up five or six because those are very popular. But if you don't have the GameCube and you only have the Wii, then you're going to only have eight. So that's going to be your favorite. And so a lot by, of people just had the Wii, right? A lot of yeah. people started playing Nintendo games on the Wii. It was yeah. the biggest console by far. So yeah, I, I can see that why eight is so popular because a lot of people probably had it on the Wii. Same with nine and 10, really. I feel like a lot of people are picking 10 because they're just being memey rather than they actually like the game. Or if you're just only six or seven years old and you only have had the Wii U as your only basis. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair, I guess. It was still a little shocking to see at the very bottom of the list. I was very Really upset. shocking yeah. and really sad, but I will defend Mario Party 7. I'm defending it too. I will, I will defend Mario Party 7. Yeah. As being, uh, and I don't want to break, game. but the Mario Party 7 mini games, I feel like I'm very much a pro at them. I, uh, I didn't realize how much I've been playing them as a kid because I was all ready to go as soon as they popped up. Oh, man. Do they have track and yield back? No, no, they don't. That's something they should have brought. But I think it's because they have a coin mini game that's similar from another game. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that's my assumption. But yeah, overall, yeah, I love the mini games. I, I love all the boards, or at least four of the five boards. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with the game. So, you know, I'll play with the friends tonight. And then, uh, you know, uh, in a few days, we'll have to play uh, online together. Yeah, for sure. So anything else new with you, or you just picked up the Mario Party game? Just picked up the Mario Party game. I haven't done too much else this week, really. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I watched Dune for the second time. Uh, so, you know, I remember I, you know, I wasn't super high on it the last time we spoke two weeks ago. But, yeah, I, I think I'm more on your side now, Tristan. It is a very good film. It's fantastic. I was, like, the only downside is this half a movie. Like, that's, like, my the only qualm I guess I can see anyone having is it's two and a half hours for half a film. And that's, like, and I get that. If, that, if that's your micro break on the movie and why you don't like it, I get that. 
if you can get over the fact that it's a two and a half hour movie for only half a film, uh, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that really is my gripe as well because it feels pretty, you know, like unconnected. But I watched it the day after they announced Dune 2 is officially in the works. And so I've, you know, since it was the day right after, the entire time it didn't even bother me because I know for a hundred percent fact we're gonna get this story continued. And so well, I'm not it made it fact. anything could happen. But it seems very likely we're gonna get a sequel here. Although it's probably gonna be like two to three years out. It's gonna be a good ways away, I would think. Uh, they announced October twenty twenty three, so in two years. Two years that sounds about right. Yeah, two years, October twenty twenty three. I'm waiting for it. I'm excited for it. Actually, sounds that, sooner oh, than I thought. I I thought it might have been three years to make, uh, just because I, I was thinking about two. But they do already have a lot of like you know costume design and all that kind of stuff. Already the groundwork already built or set design. You know they already know like, you know at least a bouncing off board. So it's not quite from ground zero. I'm sure the script is already mostly done. Yeah, anyway. I was gonna say I'm sure I'm sure Denis Villeneuve has already just in his head already had most of the story finished. Right, like he yeah. already knows what's gonna happen. Exactly. So I, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, they're, they're not just starting it today. They didn't when they announced that they're making Dune two. They weren't starting the project that day at all. Right. But big, also good news. Paw Patrol two is coming out also in October twenty twenty three. So we're, uh, yeah, looking to be a stacked stacked month for movies already. I think that's how I saw the date for Dune was the the meme that they were both coming out uh, in two years time. Do you see the title of the new Paw Patrol movie? I haven't watched the original Paw Patrol yet, so I didn't want any spoilers. Okay, all right. I think it's implied they're going to be like superheroes. I think I think they're already going to the superhero train for for the second one. What's the, what's the subtitle? I think it's uh, oh. Paw Patrol to Hero. I don't know, something like that, like Super Pups or something. You could be getting a little confused with DC Super Pops, which is on the way. Or DC. <laughs> yeah. DC is having their own animated a uh, like animal superhero movie, and The Rock plays a uh, Superman's dog. Nice. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you might be getting those two mixed up. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Here, I'll, I'll look up the actual uh, name here. I'll see if I can find it. But, uh, but it does seem like possibly the, uh, you know... The animal superhero genre is about to take off in these upcoming years. Okay, so the name for the second movie is Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie. Oh, okay. So I mean, I see where you're thinking superheroes, but that could really be anything. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was more superhero direct, but yeah, that, that that's still pretty vague. That could be anything. That could be, it could be literally anything. Yeah. Honestly, when I'm thinking Mighty, I'm probably like a Mighty Machine, so I was thinking like, I know they all have their own vehicle in the television show. I'm sure the vehicles are in the set, are in the first movie already, but I have a feeling the vehicles are going to be more important in the sequel then. Maybe. Yeah, I was thinking Mighty Ducks for a second. Maybe it's going to be like a hockey game. Oh, okay. I'm down for a hockey game. <laughs> I actually just watched the first one because someone picked it for our podcast. I, uh, me and Andrew watched it yesterday. So, you know. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I'm fresh on my mind. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a movie. A really good one. That's right. That's right, baby. You know, I wish I had a little bit more Rocky in it, but, you know, what, what can you do? I'm sure he's going to be big in the second one. Yeah, I, I, yeah. you know, I, why do they have each movie uh, put a lot of focus on one of the dogs? You know, it makes six movies. He is really mighty, so it could be. It could be him, yeah. Well, it'd probably be, uh, what's the yellow one, Rumble? No, it, it, yeah, I think so. Yeah, or like Rubble or something. Is it, is it Bulldozer? 
His name is not Bulldozer. No way. They all call him Dozer for short. <laughs> yeah, something tells me his name is a Dozer, but here, I'll get the actual name here. I, I, I imagine it's like Rubble or Rumble. Um, is it Butch? There's somebody in the voice cast named Butch, but that doesn't sound <laughs> right. Rubble. It's, it, it, it's Rubble. And your favorite one's Rocky, right? Oh, yeah, baby. Is that the one that recycles things? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, the recycle one was the best. I also like the underwater guy. What was his name? Did you? Uh, the the uh, underwater guy, Zuma, I think. Yeah, I mean, Zuma, Zuma already, I think, is coming off with a head start here. Sky's, Sky's starting off in last place, for sure. <laughs> what? Never never cared for that bitch. Sky is my Sky? third favorite. <laughs> You have a ranking of all the Paw Patrol characters? I haven't ranked for everything, Trusted. Uh, yeah, Sky is easily top three. Sky is top three. Sky was easily my least favorite prior to. Chase is on Thin Ice also. Not really one for narcs. Chase so. is straight up the worst. I, I can't stand Chase. Yeah. What a, what a loser. The, Chase is a bit of a bitch. Too. And if anybody has seen the movie, they'll agree with me. He's such a loser in the movie. What, what a, what a pathetic really? dog. Is he voiced by Chris Pratt in the movie? <laughs> probably maybe in the second one he is that's how we the... talk about how chris pratt's voice in garfield yeah yeah we can talk about it right now if you want yeah that, that, that's how we know chris pratt's in it because it has the word mighty in it uh chris pratt is always mighty i really think they should have gotten a, a bill murray back to play garfield again that would have been really funny it would have been really great if bill murray was back as garfield i i would have absolutely loved that he honestly you see what you want about the garfield movie Bill Murray crushed it. Yeah, no, Bill Murray, Bill Murray absolutely crushed it. He's really good. Uh, and then I like the meme of him as Garfield, like in Zombieland. I really loved how they were like any regrets, and he was like uh, Garfield too. <laughs> Garfield too. <laughs> like, Garfield. I like how that's kind of a meme now. Is... Do, you, do you remember the subtitle for Garfield too? Um, a Tale of Two Kitties. Yeah, me and you've got to be some of the only people who know that one. You have to have grown up in a very specific time period in the early 2000s to remember Garfield 2, A Tale of Two Kitties. I thought that was such a funny title. I loved it. It's hilarious. Did we, we might, I think we might have gone to theaters for that one. Maybe. We, we very well very thought very possibility. Yeah, I feel like this is, this is very much a nostalgia podcast for us. We talked about Mario Party 7, and now we're talking about <laughs> Tale of Two Kitties, Garfield. Garfield. Man, I I do think Garfield one is. I remember growing up, I like Garfield two better. Um, but Garfield one, Garfield one wasn't terrible for my memory. I don't remember liking the second one. I just thought the title was cool. I I don't remember the second one even being good. When I was a kid, I remember liking it. Keep when I was like young, young. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking the first one was good though. Um, I don't know. So if I remember I would... the first one was kind of boring and generic. Even when I was a kid, I thought that. But okay. then I thought Garfield two was better. But that's only because Garfield 2 has more of a central bad guy. And when I was a kid, when we yeah. had a bad guy, it immediately is cooler than any movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love bad it. guys, man. Who does so I think that's why I don't know Garfield sort of as a bad guy. Being when I was a kid, he, he was never, you know, integral to the plot. It was more just Garfield being an a-hole to Odie. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I, I think that's a better dynamic. Which um, is the plot of the comic book shit, yeah. which makes sense to me. So, And I think it's a hilarious plot, especially as I'm an adult now. And I, Garfield being an a-hole to a dog is hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we can talk about Chris Pratt being Garfield. Uh, first of all, I didn't even realize there was a Garfield movie coming out. Was it announced when 
they announced the voice of Chris Pratt. Like, was this no? I never heard of this prior to the announcement. I had never at all heard about this. I never asked for this. I don't think anyone asked for this. No. Uh, an animated Garfield movie? I don't know. And I liked the comics when I was growing up. Like, uh, you know, I was the a big Garfield fan. The comics yeah. were good. I liked them you enough. Know, which movie pro- studio is making this, though? Which animated studio? I actually don't know. Maybe Sony? That'd be my guess. Sony? Okay. You know, if Sony's making it, that might not be terrible. But Chris Pratt is Garfield. I, I don't know. So, yeah, we can talk yeah. about that. Uh, obviously... I think you were more open to it than I was. I couldn't stand the idea of him being Mario. I thought that was a terrible decision. I'm most definitely more open to it than you are. I um, think I'm more open to Garfield. I, I've, I've actually... Um, I'm kind of stoked that he's Garfield. You know what? Here's my thing. When I first heard he was Mario, I was pretty peeved because I'm a huge Mario guy, as we just discussed about Mario Party 7. I fucking grew up that with that guy. I speed run. I, he's the only games I still play, Mario. I like that guy. And, and I don't think Chris Pratt's going to be great as Mario. I still think he's going to fucking butcher it. But at this point, now that he's now Garfield, I am in on the meme, Tristan. I want every animated movie to have Chris Pratt now. I, I want him to voice work in every single IP. I'm down for it. I like Chris Pratt as an actor. I think he's a funny guy. I like him. I do think that a uh, Garfield, a um, Garfield, of course, has a legacy. It's a very popular a comic book strip, and as you've already talked about, it had a couple movies that were popular, but it doesn't quite have the legacy that, that Mario has. You know, I mean, Mario is one of the most established video game characters of all time. In fact, probably the video game character, right? If any parent or grandparent knows a video game character, it's probably Mario, or they yeah. barely know the face and that kind of stuff. There's much more of a legacy and a fan base and a uh, expectations on the Mario movie, and particularly the actor playing Mario. Um, but I don't think anyone really gives a shit about how good this Garfield movie is. No one's walking on this Garfield movie expecting anything from it, except for maybe a half decent family movie at best, right? And that works, just an absolute shit show of film. What I think most people are hoping for, though, is it very well could be one of those movies that's so bad they're good, right? One of yeah. those movies that's so goofy and silly and doesn't take itself seriously, uh, in which it could be really entertaining and really fun. And I do think, yeah, Chris Pratt, voice in Garfield, kind of already fits into that into that realm of where it's probably going to try to be, right, as a, as a movie. Yeah, that's a good point as well, is I'm more cautious about him playing Mario, probably because I'm more attached to Mario. I think if there's any diehard Garfield fans out there, I don't know where they are at right now, but if they're listening, I'm sure they're a little peeved that he's playing Garfield. I, maybe I, I bet you they're pretty happy. I feel like diehard Garfield fans, unlike diehard Nintendo fans, have a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah that's true honestly i think the garfield fans are just happy there's a garfield movie coming out because i don't think anybody thought there would be exactly we've been waiting 15 years since that last disaster of a film yeah finally yeah. something yeah maybe they did announce it on the same day and that way the real garfield diehard fans they're not even paying attention to the fact that chris pratt is going to be voicing the cat they were just so stoked that there's a new Garfield movie. That they don't care who plays it. It, it could be Chris Pratt for all they care. Uh, they're getting Garfield, real, baby. They wouldn't care. Yeah. You guys put me out the whole time. They'd be fine. Are yeah. you kidding me? That's Garfield, baby. I wouldn't even say I'm excited, but I, you know, I'll definitely check out a Garfield film. Well, why not? It's, it's on the same length as Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Like all these old yeah. childhood books what? and comics that nobody really thought would ever return in film, but you know, people are just 
grasping at nostalgia right now because they just need something that people know. Yeah. I don't know. Clifford the Big Red Dog kind of seems like a fun movie. I'm so disappointed by the size of the dog. That's still my personal problem. Only because the original concept of the show is so ridiculous. This dog is literally the size of a house. Like, he's he towers over your normal house, uh, which is hilarious. And this time they made him big enough to fit in an apartment building. I'm like, are you kidding me? You can't fit in an apartment. He's maybe. Now, obviously, we don't know much about this movie because it's coming out in a few days, actually. I think maybe the day this podcast drops is when it's the release. You know, it'll be oh, our celebration sure. of Clifford uh, having day to day release. You guys are watching this the day it comes out. Turn it off now and get to your theater. You got to watch this this car. It's a yeah, Clifford movie. It, it's too good. Yeah. Um, on, it's a big red dog. What more do you want? Yeah, but maybe we don't know the storyline, Tristan, because he starts off as a baby puppy, right? Is it possible that the movie is like some guy with like a giant ray gun that makes stuff grow in size? Maybe he shoots at the dog and then the entire movie is him slowly growing in size. I was thinking that, like, I always think back to when a, uh, the first trailer and pictures for Aladdin came out, and a, uh, of course the genie wasn't blue in those pictures, Will Smith just looked like Will Smith, you know, in like a Middle Eastern getup type thing, uh, but that's because those pictures and, and clips and stuff were only from the scenes when he was pretending to be a normal human blending in, and of course, through the actual film, he looked much more like a traditional genie, and he was blue and that kind of stuff. So it is possible these still images we're seeing, because I haven't seen any trailer trying to only seen some, some still photos of the dog inside the apartment or when the dog is still only like six to eight months years old and he's still growing rapidly and this sort of that middle transition phase it's possible if so though i haven't seen any pictures at all of him when he's full grown which is fine i don't want spoilers anyways if that's the case um and i hope that's the case i think that'd be awesome i would love to see him just tower over <laughs> so much of this movie now takes place in new york because of course all adaptations of kids properties have to move to new york they have to take place in new york now instead yeah, garfield's definitely place. taking place in new york we'll call it now garfield yeah oh of course even the original movies of garfield took place in in, in new york or at yeah. least the first one the second one took place in england <laughs> yeah, yeah. but only me and clinton would have known that prior to me mentioning yeah if you didn't mention that they would have just assumed it was new york but yeah obviously if you're a real garfield 2 tale of two kitties fan uh, you know it takes place in europe exactly exactly but yeah so it looks like clifford takes place in england i mean in new york not in england. uh but they do that like tom and jerry tom and jerry now takes place in new york and so i don't know why they always go to new york do kids care that much about new york do any kids really care besides those who live in new york i just think it's just the easiest setting they probably already have all of, like the sets made for I new think york that's what it is. i think it's just a cheap place to film so they're like okay well we already have the same set we used for the last three uh IPs we use. Let's just do it for Clifford now. Yeah, exactly. Do you think Mario Party is going to like have a scene with where they leave Mushroom Kingdom and they go to America and they go to New York? Have you seen the uh, like 1995 Super Mario Brothers movie? I've never seen it, but I do know that that's in New York. Yeah, I don't think it's in New York. I, I, I could be wrong. It takes place in base, like what's known, like basically Mushroom Kingdom. Version. Okay, well, yeah, like a fake blend yeah. of real and mush and. I, I think um, since they already basically tried that in the 90s and they, uh, it was so disastrous, it stopped Nintendo from making movies for two decades. I think that they're probably going to stay away from New York in this one. I think if Illumination can make a quick buck, if they have a New York scene for all their New Yorker fans, then they'll do it. I think whatever makes one extra dollar for Illumination, they'll, they'll, they'll find a way. 
Yeah, I don't I, I it's weird cuz I I always think like Illumination's super low quality entertainment and all their stuff's very, you know, cookie cutter, generic, whatever, you know, pumping out fast, make money quick kind of stuff. But then Nintendo's business model is typically generally the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Nintendo stuff's normally very high quality. They typically charge a premium for their stuff, right? Their stuff's only available on Nintendo consoles, which are expensive, of course, right? They're much more sort of like the Apple of the video game industry where all their stuff's, you know, they're very much their own secluded sort of brand like Apple is in the tech industry and then all the other brands sort of swap spit a lot more often than, than Nintendo and Apple do. So it is sort of weird how a brand I've always seen one that prides itself on high quality and excellency is pairing up with a, a film studio that I think is generally con- uh, perceived as just being very cookie cutter and generic and basic and never pushing the envelope or trying things new. Um, so I, I, that's why I've always really been torn on what I think this Mario movie is going to turn It's going to be out. interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and with your comparison, it's of... pretty. Uh, with your comparison, it's pretty fair. I wouldn't say uh, if we're going to compare Nintendo to a film industry, I would say they're much more in lines with Disney. Oh, they're they're yeah. I think most people really consider Nintendo the Disney of video games for a while now. Their stuff's always PG. Their stuff's always family friendly. Their stuff's always seen as higher quality. Their games are always more expensive. Just like Disney movies are always more expensive. You never really see them go on sale too often. Unless you don't see Disney movies on sale, you don't see. Video Nintendo games go on sale. They're very much the, the Disney of video games, but then they're pairing up with like the McDonald's of movie making, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're exactly both of them. Uh, you know, have higher quality content directed towards kids. Uh, Disney has their thirty dollars to watch like a month earlier on their service. You're already paying for because they're all about money. M- Nintendo very similar. Every game costs eighty bucks, and they're never going to drop that price. So if you want to play no. their game, you have to pay the 80 bucks they will never dip in the price range so they're very much about making as much money as they can off of as many kids as they can uh and and it's a pretty good it's a pretty good model and every time somebody tries to be like oh well you know that's probably not a you know the nicest business model everybody goes ah it's mario it's frozen it's for kids it's it's fine yeah you know they kind of get away with it um, yeah, I mean, I think it's not anything to do with ever been illegal. It's people are willing to oh, pay it and they're, yeah. they're selling it for that price, right? The thing is, they, they both have such a big fan base yeah. that, that believes their product is worth that price. And this is coming from two people who have seen every Disney movie and have played dozens of Nintendo games, you know, their entire adult lives and, you know, their entire lives, even when we were kids. Um, so we are fans of both these, you know, me, I'm probably a little more of a fan than Disney Quentin is, but in general speaking, we, we, we do both like both these companies and the stuff they're making. But you're right. They, they most definitely have to charge more than they probably should for a lot of their things. Uh, however, going back to the Mario movie, I do have faith that this movie is going to be, at the very least, good. I think it's going to be feel safe. I think it's going to feel a little generic. But I think overall it'll be fun and it'll be a good movie. Mostly because I have faith in, in Nintendo not letting Illumination put out a subpar film. Or I think no. the movie is going to be... Uh, decent at best. I, I think I'm going to, if I'm going to make a prediction, I bet it's going to be like a 2.5 out of 5 for my letterbox score. I think it's just going to be too safe, too generic, because Nintendo's going to be very cautious about taking risks. This is like their first film in yeah. forever. So I think they're exactly. going to be, I think they'll be perfectly fine with just making a subpar, safe movie that has no risks and is just a generic, oh, Mario has to save Peach. Uh oh. And, like, nothing interesting happens in this movie. And Illumination is fine with making a cheap film with voice actors that they'll make money off of. 
Uh, this I don't think this is going to be a great film at all, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. I, you know, looking at the cast gets me a little excited. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm not excited at all. I I agree. I think the biggest flaw with this movie is it's going to be safe. Yeah. I don't think they're taking very many risks with this with this movie, especially as the last time they made a Mario movie, they took a lot of risks. It was a very out there movie. Yeah, it, was it was a very yeah. weird movie. Um, and it didn't pay off, right? It it didn't. And so I think this time they're going to play it super safe. I think they're going to go elastic the bandit too hard and play it too safe and go too cookie cutter, too generic. I think it's going to be very polished. I think it's going to look great. I think everything's going to be super, you know, like that polished, fine tuned. I don't think there's going to be, you know, any glaring flaws in the movie besides the fact it feels a little too safe. And so I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be enjoyable. I think it's going to be a good time. I just don't think it's going to be one that I'm going to be begging for more or, or, or excited to go back to it again and again. That's my my feeling heading into this, the Mario movie. Is there a... I, I like how we're talking about Mario during the Garfield topic, and we didn't talk about this weeks ago when it actually popped up. But now I'm curious, do you think there's a animation studio that could have actually made this really good? Like, could have had a chance to make this a really huge animated film for kids? I mean, I think Disney's probably, the, you know, as we've talked about them for a while now, but this very clearly isn't something Disney has ever really done or probably ever really will do. And that's sort of these sort of crossovers, you know, with IPs and intellectual property, that kind of stuff. It's not really something that they've done too much of, besides, I guess, like, Wreck-It Ralph would be the closest thing that they've done to something like that. Yeah. In which Bowser that's was fair. in there for a cameo and you know, Pac-Man and Sonic and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, besides, like, Disney and Pixar, who both, let's be real, if Disney or Pixar said, yeah, we're making the Mario movie, me and you would both be super excited right now. We'd be pretty confident it's going to be a really good thing. Right? Yeah, I would have a lot more faith in that. I would actually say, though, the one I think would be the best would have been Sony because they did Spider-Verse so well with the comic style. Yeah. I think if they did, like, a video game style, I think Sony could actually, like, have a really creative and brilliant idea. I, I think, and Sony's been putting out just beyond just Spider-Man, which is obviously oh, yeah. an absolute, you know, hallmark animated film at this point in time one of the best of the decades, not one of the best animated films of all time. They have some other really great animation projects. So I think Michelle's and Machines which came out this year. I Mitchell. think that movie is an absolute knockout. I think that was great. I really like Vivo. I haven't seen Wish Dragon yet, but that looks good. They, they have a lot of really great animated stuff I think they're working on in the past couple of years that I think that they've really picked up their quality since their, you know, Clyde of the Chance of Meatball two days. That's for sure. So I agree. I think Sony would have been the one to go with. Uh, once again, for very obvious reasons, it never would have been Sony. Uh, yeah. Because for those who don't know video games, they own PlayStation. Yeah. They, they own one of <laughs> Nintendo's biggest rivalries. So, of course, they're not also going to be making the Nintendo movie. Yeah, I was making uh, more of a pipe dream in my head there. Obviously, that would never happen. Is there a Sony game that would be able to fit that animation video game style that I think they could probably kill? Mm. I don't really know any well, good PlayStation games that would work trying to think yeah a lot of uh, they're making the, the uncharted movie is, is a video a playstation video game but that's very much more towards a live action film yeah. i think would be better for that than an animated movie it is live um, action yeah and it's gonna be a lot oh yeah i know it's gonna be live action. So it's tom holland in it. of course it's live there was a uh not sony but sega is always someone who's willing to let anybody do it property so I think an animated Sonic movie could have actually been really good. Of course, they also went the live-action route, and the live-action Sonic movie was fine. I thought, thought it was good. It was very generic sort of live-action, you know, adult hybrid type thing. Yeah, it was like a Sonic movie that wasn't really a Sonic movie. It was more like a buddy road trip. 
It was more like, but yeah, it was more like the live action Yogi Bear or the live action yeah. like uh, yeah, it would fit more in that yeah. style. I, it was fine. I was more of a fan of Jim Carrey's. Uh, What's his character's name again? Um, Dr. Eggman. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or Dr. Dr. Eggman. Eggman. Yeah. yeah, so so he was great. And the, yeah, the, he, you know, the teaser at the it. end hinting that he's going to actually be in like the Eggman outfit now. Uh, it makes me more excited for the sequel now because I think it might be more Sonic-centric. I, I think the sequel will be more Sonic-centric. Yeah. I think they're also introduced... They're returning to Tales Tales that's been announced. Well, Knuckles I wouldn't be surprised if we see Knuckles pop up in there. No, Knuckles has been the one announced, right? I think it's Tails. Well, Idris Elba's playing Knuckles, so he's he's announced. Oh, I guess they've both been announced then. Okay, yeah. I thought Tails was for sure, because I thought I remember seeing a poster with Tails on. Maybe. I just know Idris Elba is playing t- Knuckles. I don't know who Tails is. Oh, okay. Idris Elba's Knuckles would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, I'm, it seems like video games is becoming a thing now. Do you think it's possible that video games is going to be starting to make a huge uprise in film? Obviously, there's quite a few coming. There's like Sonic 2, there's the Mario Party game, there's Uncharted, there's The Last of Us TV show. Are we going to start seeing like a Zelda movie? Are we going to start seeing, well, I guess there was a Detective Pikachu, but will we start seeing more like animated Pokemon films in theaters? Like, is this a new thing? I don't think we'll see more animated Pokemon movies in theaters. I think animated Pokemon movies are going to be what they're doing for the past couple of years, and they're going to be straight to Netflix releases. So they seem to be pretty popular when they go straight to Netflix, uh, the newer animated Pokemon films. I think we're for sure seeing more live-action Pokemon stuff like Detective Pikachu. I, I, I do still feel like we're waiting for that one breakout hit. You know, for a while there, people have always said, Video game movies are never good, right? Yeah. Like, we had Assassin's Creed movie. That one wasn't very good. We had the old combat movies. They weren't very good. Video games just don't work as movies. And then the past couple of years, we've been getting a couple movies. Like, all right. So we had some good video game movies. Like Detective Pikachu. Like the newest Mortal Kombat movie. You know, most people seem to think these movies are good. Sonic is another good example. It's a good movie. They're not great. They're not knockouts. They're not winning any Oscars. People are going to the theaters three to four times to watch them because they love them so much. But they like them, and they're all right. And it's kind of loosening up the stigma that video games just don't work as movies. And people are like, I think we're also kind of sitting around waiting for this breakout hit. This, you know, Avengers moment for the video game genre. A, a, a big movie that takes it from being, you know, eh, they're okay, they're all right, they're whatever. If you like the video games, you kind of like the movie. To shoot the superstardom, right? A movie that'll take it from from being a lesser-known genre or subcategory of movies uh, to, to to real mainstream push. I don't know what movie that's going to be. I think we're all kind of still waiting for it. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair because I feel like that is kind of what happened with superhero films. Obviously, they were pretty huge with X-Men and Spider-Man, but I feel like the year of Iron Man and the Dark Knight was like a step forward in superhero films where people went, oh, wow, these could be more than just like comic-y, slapsticky, fun films. Like these can have like a spot in film. And now we're we've been living with like fourteen years in the spider hero or in the uh, superhero. Yeah, films. I was not quite to that point with video game movies. No, no, um, but but I'm saying I do kind of agree that we're kind of just waiting on uh, a video game movie to just absolutely wow us and just break in the box office where everybody's watching it and it's got a lot of word of mouth. Uh, and then it might start to be a trend. We're not there yet, but I do think uh, I do think if 
it gets the right push. If let's say Sony made a Mario party or sorry, I keep thinking Mario. If Sony made a Mario movie or like, you know, like some big company made a really big video game that worked. I think it could be a thing. It's just not one yet. Yeah, exactly. And every time we do get one of these, you know, half decent uh, video game movies like Detective Pikachu, like Sonic, you always see the headlines. Is the curse of video game movies finally over? Are video game movies finally good now? Every time, they always bring out the same headlines for every sort of half decent, you know, video game movie. And they, um, but we never really see them take off for the general population. You know I mean, they never blow up. They never get huge. They never really break through to the, to, to the mainstream. Well, because I would much- say, yeah, I would say, like, you know, a lot of people check them out and, you know, they're fine. But, like, I wouldn't say any of them are good. I don't think we've actually had a good video game movie yet. And I think, think we're just waiting for one to possibly happen. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it's just not possible. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it's most definitely possible. Uh, it's theoretically it's possible for sure. We haven't seen it happen yet. And I do think this Mario movie could have been a really great possibility could to push it to that extreme. But it seems like Nintendo and Illumination are, a, uh, are okay with just pumping out another, eh, it was a good movie. Yeah, I don't have much faith in Nintendo with their movies if they chose Illumination uh, to make their first one after a couple decades. I don't think for this Mario one, I could very well see them trying to make like a live-action Zelda of some sort, and that could be really be like a you know a new Dune or a new Lord of the Rings type type situation. It could where be. I could, it could be. I don't have much faith in Nintendo, but it could be. It could. I, be. I have faith in Nintendo. Um, I, I'm assuming they're gonna have to get better partnered partner up with and friggin illumination well here's I'm assuming a live action here's anyway. my worry that since they picked illumination for this they're they're, they're, there's two options either it does bad and yeah they just never make a movie again because they're just like okay we're just not meant to make movies or it does great and they go okay cool illumination here's all of our properties let's keep making movies or not even just illumination if they want live action stuff it'll be universal right because universal owns illumination yeah so they do want a live action movie they'll probably go to universal realistically you're right um, not that Universal hasn't made good movies, but it's not the brand that I think. If I want a good movie yeah. made, I'm going to Universal. That's the guy you got to get it done, right? It's it's not like that. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting them to pick A24 as their you know their partner to partner up with. Like they're going to pick <laughs> a bigger, more box office focused a uh, company. An A24 Nintendo movie that'd be pretty great. What what Nintendo game would fit well with uh, A24? Ooh, let me think here. There's got to be, like, some really good one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, some niche video game that would uh, work well. Like, maybe uh, it's not necessarily Nintendo, but Cuphead. That, that might be, like, A24, like, artsy, edgy style. Cuphead, Cuphead, yeah. You could do maybe something like Phoenix Wright, you know, like a political drama or, like, a, a courtroom drama, yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's a good one. Phoenix Wright could work. Or maybe something like Fatal Frame and more like a horror movie. I think Fatal Frame is a movie. It's more of a Japanese. You go around like take pictures in like these spooky houses. And I believe when you take a picture, oh. it shows you what happened, like traumatic things that happened in that location. We yes. Okay. Yeah. That. That's one of the uh, support characters. Is that what they're called? It's Smash Bros. Yeah. One of the assist trophies. It's assist Smash trophies. Bros. That's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. I know so what you're talking about. Something like that could be like a horror esque, cool. you know. Something like that could be cool. Some of those smaller properties. A24 could both side pick up and do some. 
So uh, speaking of, you know, the, the rise of the superhero genre and maybe eventually the rise of video game films, you know, I, I'm not holding my breath. Uh, the, the Eternals has just dropped Tristan. I don't imagine you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. No, I'm planning on going Tuesday to go check her out. I'm waiting till it's free on Disney Plus. I'm I'm not. Uh, I don't know. This one's gonna be fun in theaters to go watch. Does it? I don't know. It it looks it looks interesting. I don't I don't need to see it. In That's why I I have never been more intrigued or curious about a Marvel movie, possibly ever. Like that, I know that nothing. Is fair. About that is fair. I am intrigued. You are I'm correct so about that. I'm so intrigued right now. I'm so interested. Because I imagine so you know about this, Tristan. Uh, the Rotten Tomato scores for critics and audience could not be more divided on this. Yeah, and it was divided in the opposite way of what I was expecting. Yeah. I thought the critics were going to like this one, and I thought fans were going to hate it. Yeah, I agree. I was expecting the opposite. If you told me, oh, hey, Quinn, one group gave it 48, the other one gave it 81, I would tell you, okay, I guess the 48 was the audience. I guess it just didn't work for them. No. And that makes me more curious to go watch this. It's, it's, it's even more baffling to me. I wonder, like, what is going on in this movie in yeah. which, like, the critics pan it and the audience seems to love it, even though it, the critics seem to hate it because it's slow and boring. And I'm like, wait, the critics hate it because it's long and boring and nothing really happens? Yeah. And the audience love it? Well, I do think the audience love it because there's just marble stands. So I, I think in general it's around, like, a, a 50% over. I think there's just too many Marvel stands yeah. to really give any sort of audience rating an, ac- an accurate rating. But uh, it doesn't make me any less intrigued. Yeah, anything to do with the franchise, I pretty much completely ignore the audience score I always have, whether it be a DC film or MCU, or even like, I don't know, like Frozen 2. Like, obviously, if there is some kind of sequel or spinoff or some connection to a franchise, if you're a fan of any movie in that franchise, you're automatically going to be wanting to give it a higher score. So for me, audience scores, I tend to ignore. So this 81% means nothing to me. What's interesting is the 48%, because I'm with you, Tristan. I thought uh, the critics have always enjoyed MCU films. I don't know if you're aware of this, but like... Shang-Chi is very high, and that was only a few months ago. Like, the critics... Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, they're not... Yeah, movies get reviewed really well, most. Yeah, Uh, critics are not afraid to... Yeah, Yeah, they always give high scores to MCU films. The whole thing with Rotten Tomatoes, really, do you like the movie? I think the vast majority of Marvel movies are like, yeah, that was all right. You know what I mean? I want to give a thumbs up to the majority of the Marvel movies. I would, Um, too. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Because Rotten Tomatoes is, do you like it, yes or no? Right, and I yeah, think most it's, of it's, Marvel it's, movies, it's the worst system of all of them. It's terrible. It, it's it's horrendous. It's just, do you like the movie? Yes or no? And I mean, it, it could be a hard press to find a lot of people who say, no, I hated, you know, Black Panther. What do you mean? Black Panther is perfectly fine. It'll yeah. be your favorite movie. It, you know, it's not ground. Black Panther is kind of African. Um, but you know, I mean, like most Marvel movies aren't very groundbreaking. But most Marvel movies are good. They're good. They're yeah. not phenomenal or fantastic or the best movies in the world or winning best pictures at all. But they're good movies. So that's why I, I would see why they would normally have higher. This has a, a lower Rotten Tomato scores than Thor The Dark World. Or the, the original lowest, yeah. Thor. Those movies are stinky as shit. They suck. Yeah. Those movies aren't good at all. Yeah, this has a worse score than those. And that's where I see a lot online. People are like, all right, guys. Eternals is far from the best Marvel movie. But the, the scores are out of whack. It's, it's not the worst Marvel movie by any means. Yeah. And, and that's where I'm going in there thinking. I'm thinking it's going to be... A little longer, a little slower, a lot of expedition, not super action-packed. 
I think I'm probably going to end up liking it more than most because I like I like the politics and the, you know and that kind of stuff in the Marvel movies more than I think most people do. You know, I'm not like I don't really care for the fight scenes all that much in Marvel. I like the no. talk. No, well, I'm probably in the minority there. Well, not with me. I, I'm with you, Tristan. I'm not a big, you know, like uh, I don't care about somebody fighting a CGI monster, which is about eighty percent of the MCU films. There's always some CGI fest of whatever's going on, and that's not my thing. I'm more about like the politics of the characters in the film. I like superhero films if it actually has like a story. Like Dark Knight, I think is great. Uh, even Spider Verse, I think has a lot of depth to all these characters. Uh, MCU, I feel like doesn't really go there that much. And if this one wants to take it slower, wants to actually tell a story, I'm with you, Tristan. I think this 48 seems kind of bonkers. I think this might be one of the best MCU films if I ever end up watching it. Well, I will end up watching it, but who knows when it'll eventually come yeah. out for free. Yeah. Uh, but so I am watching I'm, so, I'm actually excited to go watch this one. I, I am too. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm just so interested. I'm not going there thinking it's going to be amazing or anything. it's going to be good. But I'm in there just super curious as to what I'm about to watch. I know nothing about this movie. Yeah, I know nothing uh, either. I saw the same trailer every single movie I saw in theaters for the last few months. So I guess I saw that one trailer. But even then, that trailer didn't tell me anything story-wise. I have no freaking clue what this yeah, movie is. Yeah, I think that's the one I saw. It just showed a bunch of like random people doing shit. I yeah. couldn't really I, – I don't try paying attention to it, so I wasn't really much. But yeah, I know there's one person named Cersei, and that's it. And I only noticed that because I'm like, hey, there's someone in Game of Thrones with that name. And that's the only reason I remember. Yeah. Uh, that and one of them can go super fast. I know one, I don't know which one, but I know one of them can go super fast. I don't even, I, I don't even think I knew that. Uh, all I know is Those are what I know. the trailer was generic and terrible as heck. But it's just because it was every other MCU trailer ever. Like it was nothing to write home about. So I'm just it's so yeah. forgettable. It was so forgettable for me. So but I am kind of going in. Trailers are made by a separate company who probably does the same trailers for all Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be edited differently than the way the movie is actually Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Well. No, 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 no. I'm not thinking the movie's going to be generic at all. I think it's very clearly very different from the rest of the MCU from what I've heard. So I'm more intrigued than ever. But to me, I know nothing because the trailer was so terrible and generic that I don't remember anything about it. So I'm kind of going in blind, even though I've seen like a trailer. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this one. I'm also interested to see, now that this one kind of bombed, and people are like, how are they going to tie this one in with the rest of the MCU? It seems so self-isolated, and now that people don't seem to care about it, and it's self-isolated, are they just going to leave it isolated and never really acknowledge it too, too much? I don't know. That is fair, but it just bombed by like the critics' Rotten Tomato score. Does that mean a whole lot? If you look at how it's done in the first three week, three days for the box office, it's done very well. That's true. It has done a lot money wise, but also, well, I think more interesting. We have to wait the next week to see what the drop is. Yeah, to see that's if what, all this press is hurting it, because obviously the first weekend is going to be the same. Uh, Fifty million diehard MCU fans watching it every single time. Like I saw tweets being like, "Well, I guess I gotta go to work and go watch the new MCU movie just because I love the MCU." Like you know, people just have that mindset of, "Well, I gotta see the next one, right?" But now that those people have seen it. What week two, how is that going to look? So, yeah, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think obviously in this movie, like any time, I'm expecting them to sort of position at the end of this movie to introduce the eternal characters, at least some of them, into the more mainstream Marvel stuff. But I'm thinking like a uh, 
obviously they're going to have a position in like the next couple films or whatever. But then after that, are they going to continue inserting these characters into the storyline to continue pumping up more Eternals-related stuff and more Eternals-related content? Or will after they kind of do now they're obligated here in the next couple, you know, ensemble films or whatever, are they going to sort of phase them out as less important characters over time? Yeah, yeah, that, that I'm not too sure about. And I think that's really going to depend on how much these characters get picked up by. Are little girls and boys dressing up as characters for Halloween next? Are, are they... people asking for Eternal action figures for Christmas this year? Are you know are are the general populace liking these characters, connecting with these characters, and want these characters to take off like they did with Guardians of the Galaxy? When Guardians of the Galaxy came out, no one knew these characters, and people love them. Gamora and Star Lord and stuff are are household names now, right? How many people have those little dancing groups? in the pot toy things on their, you know, on their dashboard after after that movie came out. Like, people love the Gardens of the Galaxy. Is it going to be like that, or are they going to get more forgotten? Yeah, I, I imagine it'll be more forgotten, but it's also an MCU movie. I'm sure it'll still be pretty relevant well, to the overall you're right, that's culture. We haven't really seen Marvel have any massive failures yet. You know what I mean? Like, what, what, like besides, I guess, the first two Thor movies, and people kind of think of Thor's a dead character, and then Taika Waititi saved him with a... Uh, Ragnarok there, like like none of the not none of the Marvel characters that bombed or phased out or been forgotten or looked over or disliked. Even the lame ones like Hawkeye is getting his own show that people are excited for. I I don't know who those people are, but someone is. I'm sure. Like like that's the thing. Marvel's never failed yet. Is this Marvel's first failure? I don't think they can fail. I'm sure. Legit, I'm sure. Just people just start petering out with their love of the MCU. But I think it's hard. It's hard to fail. I feel like they could literally like. No joke. I think if they took the movie Kissing Booth and they slapped MCU logo on it and they said MCU's Kissing Booth 2022, I think it would still be loved. I think it would still have like $100 million. Well, but that's only because it has to do with Kissing Booth, though, not because of Marvel. Yeah, that's um, true. That's fair. But like, they I, could literally slap their logo on any movie and it will still be beloved by the audience. It would still have an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes by the audience. It will be an absolute success in the box office. It does not matter. I don't think they can fail. I, I really don't. See, I don't know. So today I was at a, um, it's her sister's birthday today, by the way, when we're recording this. I was over at her birthday and I was talking with a bunch of people there, right? Mostly adults, kids or anything. Yeah. Um, and one of them, we're talking about movies and stuff, right? These are just general people, not like me, into, into movies, right? These are just normal people who, who watch movies every now and then, like most yeah. people do. And one of them, met, we were talking about Eternals, and one of them said, I've heard that this is like the first time Marvel's made a DC movie. You know what I mean? Like people are comparing that like, this is like a DC movie that Marvel made. That's yeah, I've a heard bad critics movie. say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like when even the general populace is looking at the movie this way or feeling this way about the movie, and, and has a sort of negative. And the fact that they're also using DC as a negative stigma that towards it shows you yeah. the general populace feeling on both Eternals and DC as a whole compared to their feelings on Marvel. That is true. Um, I guess to say from my point of view i uh, i talked to well dog last night uh, i was just I was just texting him a bit about meeting up today for mario party but we also started talking about eternals and he asked me well quentin i heard this is there i was really excited to watch eternals i was gonna watch it last night but i was told that it's like the worst movie that they've made yet and i i just don't think i'll watch it then and i told him i was like i i just think it's the critics man i think if you like the mcu you will like this movie. I really don't think uh, any audience member that's going there is going to be like, oh, wow, that was a real stinker. Once they see it, they'll love it. But 
you're right. If that is the like my Welling has seen every single one opening weekend. He loves the MCU. Uh, and if that is just the senses of you know casual moviegoers that maybe this isn't that great, maybe we shouldn't go. Yeah, maybe you know maybe maybe the critics have more of a sway than even I thought. I didn't think they had that much going for them. It's not like back in the early 2010s when a Rotten Tomato score will make or break your movie. You right. know what I mean? Like if you had a bad Rotten Tomato score, your movie would bomb. Like like it was like that for a couple of years there, the mid 2010s or late 2000s. It we're for sure past that. We're way past that now. I think people care a lot less about a Rotten Tomato scores in general. However, bad word of mouth is still massive, more so yeah. than a Rotten Tomato score, more so than any individual critics or critics in general. When people hear movies are bad, they're not going to watch them. Right? It doesn't matter how they hear them or who they hear them by. When the buzz around a movie is negative or buzz around a movie is positive, uh, that matters, right? And if a movie, a buzz around a movie is negative in the way the buzz around Joker is was negative because it's promoting, you know, negative mental health, that kind of stuff, that's different than the buzz around a movie being negative because the movie sucks. If the buzz around a movie is that it's controversial, that's going to skyrocket to the moon. If the buzz around a movie is that it's, it's, it's boring and long and dull and no one cares for it, no one's going to go out and watch it. And I don't think this is going to hurt them financially. I think... They're fine. I, the movie's already made, I believe, seventy million. I believe it made more opening weekend. I think, was, I, think I saw it was one hundred and sixty-one opening weekend. Oh, worldwide, even worldwide. more. Oh, okay, worldwide. Okay, I, I think domestic it was seventy something. Yeah, oh yeah, I figured that was the best. Yeah, so so it beat Chang Shi uh, for opening weekend, which is crazy. Did it? But, That's insane. That I wasn't expecting. Yeah, no, I wasn't expecting that either. But I don't think it's going to hurt it financially. Similar to F nine, uh, F nine made absolutely bank off of that film, but. It also had a 47%, I believe, or 49%. I think it might be like a percent higher than Eternals, but they both are panned by the critics, but made a lot financially. I think it won't hurt it money-wise, but more so in the long term, where I think people now kind of look at the Fast and Furious franchise after F9 as, okay, I think they lost. I, I, I don't think they are really having any directional where to go with this franchise. And even though MCU is going to make bank off of Eternals, I think the worst part about Eternals uh, to its franchise is now people are going to say, I don't know if I want to go, is it going to be the next Eternals? Like now this might be a comparison to, is MCU going to have another miss every single time there's a movie coming out, right? Now there's no longer that safe line of the MCU cannot make a bad movie. If they are considered to have made a bad film, that's now going to be kind of like a hinder for people to go every single opening weekend for an MCU. It's, true. it's exactly it's exactly what I'm saying. Is this Marvel's first failure? Is yeah. this you know? Is this the chink in the armor? Yeah, I don't and think I financially think it's, a, it's a failure, but I do think uh, for the long term it might be. It might be, but that being said, though, and I know this is what my younger brother has for sure. Yeah, talked about to us a lot more about a uh, Pixar and about how Pixar is still perceived as like the best animation studio on the planet, and all their movies are always hits and are always phenomenal. But there's about a ten year run there when the majority of the movies suck. Right, like after after Toy Story three, most of their movies were little stinkers up to hit onward. Realistically, yeah. um, you know, a couple of good ones here and there, but you know, Fine and Dory, Incredibles two, Cars two and three, stinkers all around. Right, but but after Cars two came out, um, which was like the first of the, I think that was the one right after Toy Story three, the first terrible Pixar movie that no one liked. When the next Pixar movie was coming up, no one was really thinking that, and even to this day, no one really looks at all of Pixar's numerous subpar films. And he goes, wow, Pixar's really lost their stuff. Besides, my our younger brother who firmly believes that Pixar is completely off their rocker. I completely disagree because I think the past like three or four have been quite good. But 
<laughs> I digress and say that even though when Pixar is pumping out subpar movies, both reception-wise, box office-wise, and even awards-wise, like the Oscars, still love that stuff. Brave won an Oscar. Toy Story 4 won an Oscar. These are movies that did not deserve Oscars. No. They didn't. But they won them because, let's be real, most of the people giving out the awards don't like animated movies, don't watch animated movies, and just vote for whatever Pixar makes. Because it's a Pixar movie and Pixar's the animation studio that you vote for. That's, that's, that's the way it is. So I could see it still being like that with Marvel, where even though they have produced a couple of subpar movies, maybe they'll go on a string of subpar movies. I think they are at the point where they have such a rabid fan base that people yeah, just assume their movies are always good, that it's not going to change much. Yeah, even if they aren't making as much as they would off of Endgame or Black Panther or one of those films, uh, they're still going to be making profit every single film. So they're, they're, they're fine. They're, they're, that's not a concern. Yeah, but there's also things like you don't just want to make profit, right? Well, no, it's not that. It's that Eternals making 161 million opening weekend worldwide is fantastic, right? And it is better than Shang Chi making the 150 million opening weekend worldwide that it made, or whatever the numbers were, right? However, when Shang Chi goes on to sell half half a billion dollars worth of Shang Chi action figures and costumes, and Eternals has a bunch of inventory left over in warehouses because want them which is now the more financial successful movie. It's not Eternals, right? And that's the thing about Disney, particularly Disney's properties, Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, Frozen, Princesses. It's, the movies make lots of money, sure. But the, the merchandising and, and the theme park ex- exhibits and the costumes and the action figures and everything make way more. That's the money maker. You make the money to sell the toys. I mean, you make the movies to sell the toys, right? And the toys are where you make the profit. That's where you make the money from. The, yeah. the Star Wars toys have doubled the box office revenue for Disney. They have. They made way more money off lightsabers and, and cloaks and stuff than they do off the movies. And so I think overall, this is significantly less successful than Shang-Chi is, unfortunately, for Disney. At least as of now. We have to see the next couple of weeks to really see yeah. how the general populace is taking these characters in. Yeah, exactly. And right now, it seems like only the critics are low on it. Uh, it seems like the audience, uh, for now at least, seem like they're pretty high on it. We'll see yeah, how the it audience goes over the next going to drop weeks. like a rock once once Normies go and watch this film. Once <laughs> people who are just normal people and not fanatic over yeah movie, we're going to see the audience score settle somewhere much more natural. I would expect it to be like low seven, but I don't think it's going to be fresh for sure. People are still going to like the movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's at eighty one. It's not going to go below seventy. So no, it's no. Fine. Uh, I, I was curious, though, about the critic score, because it is the lowest critic score for any MCU film, which is still bonkers. Uh, it's, it's wild. Because it can't be worse than Thor of the Dark World, right? Like, no, because Thor of the Dark World is, like, literally bottom 50 films of all time. Like, it There's nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, it, it can't be worse. I refuse to believe Chloe Zhao, who made Nomadland, is making a bottom 50 film of all time. I, I don't believe it. So, no. I, 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 I think I'm, I'm going to like this I think it's going to be. Fun. I'm very excited. Um, and Andrea, I wouldn't say she's excited, but when I told her this is a Chloe Zhao film, she was very like, okay, um, like, I do want to check this out. Like, she was more intrigued about this than Chong Shi. So, you know, like, yeah, I've I feel like it's got us. I'm more intrigued by this movie than a lot of other MCU movies. Yeah. This movie, intrigued by, for sure. Yeah. I've been very intrigued by this movie. Yeah. But so the 48%, I was going to ask you, Tristan, uh, my theory for this, I think the Craigs have it at 48%. Because it's, you know, the, the MCU, Kevin Feige, Chloe Zhao, they've been saying this is not necessarily going to, well, Kevin Feige said it's going to win Best Picture, which is definitely not the case anymore. 
Um, no. Yeah, you said this was going to be the best picture winner of 2021, but they've also just been saying this is going to be the most dramatic it's gone. They're going to go for kind of like a drama feel to really feel out like the, the film students, like the critics are going to love it. And maybe is this just kind of the critics being like, oh, they're stepping on our turf. Like I've seen way better dramas. I've been more emotionally inclined by like way more films than this. Like, do you think they're kind of like, okay, they're trying to like be like a serious film. We're not having it. Like, are they very much like, you know, Chongxi is just like CGI slapstick kid movie. Okay. The critics can be like, okay, yeah, that was fun. I took my son to that and we had a good time. That's definitely a positive review for me on Rotten Tomatoes. But do you think this movie... The critics are like, okay, this is our turf. We've seen a lot of critic uh, dramas in our day. Uh, this is not that great in comparison. Like, do you think it's because they're kind of stepping in on another field? I really don't know. I feel like we have to watch the movie before we can really yeah. strong. Yeah, I, I'm curious when I see the film. I, I do feel like reviews on. I haven't read anybody's reviews yet because I always say I watch the movie right. just in case they happen to spoil things and that kind of stuff. So. I was, and also, I didn't go in with a, as much of a neutral opinion about a film as possible looking in. Not that that's ever really the case, but um, so I always stay away from reviews. I feel like I'd have to read some of the reviews and I have to watch the movie and see if I can agree with them, see if I understand what they're saying, or see if I think they're off rocker and they're being ridiculous. I really don't know. I have seen, though, and they do this every time any one of these movies gets any sort of negative reception. They always start wheeling out the, it's because it's a female led action movie that people don't like. It was a yeah. female directed action movie that people. And it's like, I, I can assure you that that's not the reason. I can promise you that all these critics who just went and raved about how great Nomadland was, all these people who thought it was phenomenal and believed it should win Best Picture, and it did, and they're aghast by how great this film was, then went a year later to go watch a turn, and now because it's directed by a woman, they decided to go and shit on. Like, I don't think that's the case, and that's clearly BS. And that's the kind of stuff that I hate People are review bombing it because it's directed by a woman. It's an action film where a woman's the lead character. That's why people don't like it. But there's dozens upon dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds, of women-directed action films or women-led action films that we can mostly point to people do love, right? The first Wonder Woman movie was a massive success, directed and led by a, by a woman, right? Tom McLaughlin, another critically acclaimed film. The main, main actress in that was a woman. There's lots, there's lots of... No Man Land was directed by the same freaking director, but that, well, not an action film. Obviously, very critically acclaimed. So I, I hate those sort of sentiments about it. I haven't seen them too, too much, but I most definitely have seen them for this film. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I've seen that a lot. I've seen a lot of the MCU fans out on Twitter. Because, you know, I, I, I've, I've really gotten to love Twitter just as like a way oh, to yeah. make me feel better about myself. Because, yeah, I saw some trending tweets being like, well, if you show the critics this movie without telling them who the director was, they would have loved it. But they don't like it because they know it was directed by a woman. Which, once you've already, like you've already said, they love Chloe Zhao. Critics like they. We were rooting for her to win Best Director last year. We love Zhao. Like, get out of here. So, first of all, that's hilarious. But also, on the flip side, is really funny to me because I know for a fact if those same people that are making those tweets about this theory, like, oh well, if you didn't tell them it was a female director, they would have loved it. If you didn't tell them it was an MCU film, I don't think they would have loved it. So I just think that's a lot. I, I think that's pretty rich that it's that's there. Hundred percent true. <laughs> if you took that Marvel logo off the front and never told them it was a Marvel movie, they would have thought it was subpar at best. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I just think that's really funny to me. Um, yeah, you know me. I love Twitter. But yeah, I agree with you that it's a crazy concept. 
Uh, I have no idea why they hate this movie. I, I've seen like a few tweets and trends, of, like trending photos of some reviews, uh, but I think they kind of pick out like the cringiest reviews, right? To like really make it seem crazy oh, yeah. why the critics hate them. So like some of them I've heard are nuts. It doesn't make any sense. But for the most part, like it's 48%. This wasn't like a few randos. This was a large majority and it's crazy. I have no idea. It makes no sense. Yeah, I I have no idea either. I don't think like it, at one point in time I think it started getting where if you have negative reviews of Marvel probably just get more clicks. You know what I mean? Hot takes are always will get more clicks. That's fair. And a lot of these a lot of these online critics are fighting for clicks. That's their job. The more clicks you get, the more money you make, right? And so they're, they're, you know if they can see somewhere they can hop on a bandwagon to get more clicks, they're going to do it. I'm not saying they're spineless or they don't have opinions or they or they they don't actually dislike the movie. I'm sure they do, but they most definitely embellish their words and word things and provocative and and, and you know eye catchy and, and clicky titles and all that kind of stuff. Like you know that's been like that for a while now. Yeah, I think that is definitely the thing for especially big films like Disney and like I'm sure the any DC, Marvel, any yeah, superhero yeah, stuff, any you know. any big superhero film or even like the Fast and Furious films. Like exactly, I think the first ten people that write a review, like the first people look at that screener when they post their reviews. They get to decide really the fate of that film because let's say the first 10 people that saw Chang-Chi, they a nine out of 10 of them said that is a hundred percent a positive, it's a great film. Then every other reviewer after that is going, Okay, there's the hype train, everybody's loving this film, I'm gonna love it too. Let me give out this great review. And then on the flip side, for Eternals and F9 and you know, like uh, Wonder Woman 84. As soon as there's a majority leaning towards Ron, even if they, like, in their head were like, eh, actually, nothing was that bad. Maybe it would have been a positive, but everybody's hating on it right now. Yeah, I agree. There's some issues with it. That's a rotten. Yeah, I think there's very much a bandwagon. Uh, it's been like that for years. It's just how rating systems work online. I had a few stories, but we, <laughs> we really got into the heat with, uh, you know, <laughs> Chris Pratt, Mario, and the Eternals. So we can kind of skip over some of these because uh, I just have two small stories. One of them is the Travis Scott concerts that I'm sure you've heard of, Tristan. I heard of, I know so li- I don't I don't want to talk about because I know so little to give a real opinion about. It seems ridiculous. I don't know how these people died. It's really my thing. I still haven't figured that out. Some do some called crowd crush where they just got suffocated by the amount of people there. Yeah, I've seen a few videos Thanks. on it. I don't think I only Insane. read one article, so I can't lean. Yeah, I, I feel like we. Yeah, really I, I don't know enough to have any sort of real opinion on it. Of course, you know, thought and prayers go out to all the families involved. It's insane to have something like that happen at a concert. It was crazy. It's something you really have to look at. I know very little about the music industry, but everything music yeah. industry. Yeah, I know nothing about music. Industry, I absolutely don't like it's. One of those industries when I was in business school, I'm like, yeah, I'm never touching that industry with a 10-foot pole. I'm staying as far away from music and music industry <laughs> as I possibly can. Live Nation seems mostly to be the ones to blame for this. Um, they seem to be mostly the ones to blame for a lot of the bullcrap in the music industry. So, yeah, it, it seems crazy. I don't really know exactly what happened, but terrible. Yeah, we don't know much about yeah the story or even music as a whole, but the thing that I can't help but connect is the fact that we have – been here for two podcasts in just the last three and a half weeks and the fact that there has now been two major death incidences on site one for obviously the film rust and now this and it feels like both of them were preventable like this wasn't like some accident that was just out of anyone's control these were just not taking any safety precautions it seems odd that so close we've had two huge stories now where we've had just lack of care for safety 
Yeah, I, I think it's so weird because after 2020, we got so focused on safety or yeah. health in general, right? And staying away from people, making sure everyone, you know, you look after yourself, stay in your bubble, don't, you know, don't go near anybody. And now, you know, in 2021, it's such a flip coin of that where now it's like there's no regard for safety or precautions. It kind of seems like a uh, people are trying to get back out there and get back to normal life without ever remembering how normal life, we're still taking precautions. You're still looking after us. Yeah. prior to the pandemic right you don't just let it all go to the wind now that you got the back that kind of yeah i don't know maybe that it has something to do with it yeah now I, maybe it I don't know if it does or not right it's possible yeah a little update on the rust one i the rock you know i think me and you are big fans of dwayne the rock johnson i think everyone's a big fan of yeah, dwayne the rock. yeah yeah i think everyone what? is but uh, but he's coming out to say that he will never work on a film set uh, that does that that has real guns so he, i think that's a good step in the right direction i think especially somebody as huge as him i think of all these big movie stars are going to refuse to be on a set that has a real gun i think that's going to end yeah that and not instance. just big movie stars but the rock is big a big action star yeah. right francis mcdormand says i'm not going to on sets with any more guns People are like, okay, when was the last time we were on there anyways? Argo? Like, it doesn't matter, right? But but he's an action star. He's an action movie. Argo had guns in it, Tristan. That's what I said. I said, when was the last time she was on set with guns? Yeah. Argo? Yeah, That's I what guess. I said. Yeah, yeah, back in the 90s, yeah. right? Like, she has, you know, like, Frances McDormand, big movie star, of course. Her movies are only dramas that take place in cities. Or... Yeah. They're not, you know, action pack or whatever. Big action stars like The Rock. Jason Momoa, Vin Diesel, you know, like these, these big action star guys, if they can start making these sort of these sort of switches, right? That's where I think we're going to see the, the shift. Yeah, yeah I think that's sure. how it has to go. I think studios and the stars themselves have to just boycott it. And eventually I, I also think dominate. even more than The Raw coming out saying he's not going to go on sites with, with firearms. Um, what about not going on movie sites that hire scab workers uh, when, when, when the guys workers decide to walk off set due to safety concerns? Because that felt to me like the bigger concern on this rut set. Earlier in the day, you know, this, the unionized workers earlier in the production, unionized workers walked off set due to safety concerns. And so then they brought in cheaper workers who didn't know what the hell they were doing and then shit happens, right? So I think, you know, hiring outside of unionized workers and that kind of stuff is also could be a, a big issue. For sure. So uh, one more little story I have here, uh, just because I think this is wild, and I imagine you would get a kick out of this as well, is CNN aired some Muppets, or sorry, not, not Muppets, uh, you know, I'm getting the shows mixed up, but they have some characters from Sesame Street come on mm -hmm. their broadcast, and they are hyping up getting the COVID vaccine to children. Oh, I sort of heard about this. Yeah, um, I have the actual video here. Did you want to hear the, the Sesame Street characters really hyping it up to the kids? Of course. Of, of course. I, why would you even ask that? Play the tape, man. Oh, oh no, Amita, this is from my COVID vaccine. My mommy and my papi took me to get it this morning. Oh, Rosita, that's great. Getting the COVID vaccine is a great way to stay healthy. See, my mommy and my papi said that it will help keep me my friends, my neighbors, my abuela, all healthy. Your parents are absolutely right. You know, COVID vaccines are now available for children five years and older. And the more people who get them, the better we're going to be able to help stop the spread of COVID and keep everyone healthy. There you go. So that was a little statement with the Sesame Street characters, uh, letting the kids know uh, 
it's a great thing. It'll help your friends, your family. Uh, everybody will be better for it if you go get the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, once again, I, I, I agree with the sentiment. I don't know how <laughs> effective having Sesame Street characters go. CNN, a news network for adults. Uh, you know I me, mean? like how many natural kids are just watching CNN? Oh, and now we're having Sesame Street kids for the care for the kiddies. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure it helps somebody out there. I'm sure someone enjoyed it. That is I'm a sure wild. Lot, I, I'm sure a lot more people really hated it, but uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, I feel like really, yeah. I feel like this the people just who hate people it off. aren't watching CNN anyway. Um, absolutely wild. <laughs> I, when I heard this, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was It's like, not that. Like, I, I, when this came out, I never actually heard about it. I saw people pictures online of way back in the, I believe, 80s or 70s maybe. Um, for another vaccine, I can't remember which one, when they were promoting to get people vaccinated for another disease, there was Big Bird a, uh, promoting the vaccine even way back when, like, right back when Sesame first started, right? This isn't new for Sesame Street to be promoting vaccinations for kids and that kind of stuff. So it's really not that abnormal, I guess. Like historically speaking, it's not too abnormal. It yeah. does feel a little weird. I think it feels more weird that it's on that they did it. That that's what it felt weird to me. If like in between SpongeBob and Fairly All Parents on Nickelodeon channel, it pops up a little ad with Sesame Street characters talking about the vaccine. That feels a little more natural and organic to me. I don't know why they decided to put this on CNN. Yeah, it, it's wild. Yeah, especially because it's the CNN reporters uh, talking to them. Like, the kids are probably thinking, who's this woman talking to my boy Elmo? Like, what's going on? Yeah, that and I do also think for the vast majority of, of kids, all coming down to their parents, whether or not they get vaccinated. I think right? so, too. I think most parents either already have very strong opinions, whether they are getting vaccinated or they aren't. And I feel if you probably don't have too strong of opinions, you're probably going to get your kid vaccinated anyway. So your kid can still play soccer and that kind of stuff. You know, we still go to restaurants and stuff. So I, I feel like for most people, this isn't changing anybody's minds. But I, I think where this can help are for the kids whose parents do want them to get vaccinated because their parents aren't ridiculous and they're smart. Uh, but the kids hear stuff at school or hear stuff on the a little nervous or a little scared about getting the vaccine. I can see maybe something like this. That's fair. Yeah, uh, calming some nerves, but I don't think it's changing any mind. I think it's helping kids who are nervous or anxious about it or scared by it, um, you know, ease that tension. And I think that's a net positive. I very much, I, I like this. I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. Um, I, it's not going to change anybody's opinions for sure. Yeah, and also like, you know, it's kind of like Garfield at this point. Like, what kid cares about the Sesame Street? That's a, that's a good point, though. You're right. Sesame Street hasn't been on TV for a while, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure PBS still plays reruns and like, but. what character would really help the kids out? Like, I think, hear me out, Olaf, voiced by Chris Pratt. I feel like that would really win him over. If you, well, I, I, I don't know about all kids, but I know that our younger sister, who's 11, if they ever have Olaf voiced by someone who's not Josh Gad, she's rioting, all right? She's out in the streets. Uh, she's bringing the pickup sign and everything. She's, gonna be real she's a real Josh Gad fan. She, she's, a, she's a big Josh Gad fan. Just Olaf. <laughs> I mean, she, she's like Olaf. But uh, yeah, she, she would not accept Chris Pratt voice. Josh Gad. Oh, uh, okay. She's a, uh, she stands by Josh Gad's performance. Yeah. Yeah. A real uh, a grounded performance there. Uh, she, I, I agree. I think so. Yeah. I'm sure she's really excited to see uh, him reenact all of the classic uh, Disney stories. I don't know if she's excited, but I freaking am. I'm stoked for that to come out. I think it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it's fine. You know, Quentin, let me have my fun with <laughs> Okay. That's fair. You get to have your fun with Olaf doing interpretations. And I can have my fun with, like, Wes Anderson. We, we all have our own yeah. things that we consider fun. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wait, which, speaking of which, uh, French Dispatch, very fun film. I had an absolute blast. Oh, I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure it's the number one. <laughs> fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the word everyone uses for a Wes Anderson film, especially about the newspaper industry. Oh, good. I mean, Grand Budapest was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Grand Budapest is, like, actually fun. A French Dispatch, yeah. I, I would just say, was, like, just a great experience because I finally got to see a Wes Anderson film in theaters. But even I wouldn't actually call it fun. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely more, like, serious and less, and, you know, relaxed and enjoyable as Grand Budapest. That, that one's truly fun. Uh, I it love is. That it's a fun one. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, there you go. That's everything on my end. Next time, I guess if you're going to watch the Olaf stuff right away, Tristan, that'll be out in the next two weeks. It will be. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, Clifford. Oh, I think me and Andrew are watching Clifford opening night. No joke. Are you guys going to the theaters for it? No. No. It's going to be online opening night. Yeah, should go, 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 go see that on the big screen. You got to <laughs> see that that 12-foot dog in person. All right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, got yeah, yeah, to really see. Like, I really want a dog to be 10 feet tall. All right? I want the screen to be 10 feet tall. Yeah, yeah, you really yeah. got to feel the size of the dog on the big screen. That that's I fair. I want this dog to tower over me. Yeah, uh, and then King Richard coming out in a week and a half. So you know, I'll have seen that by the time we have the next podcast too. That'll be exciting. Oh, you seen that one opening day also? Uh, opening weekend, I think. I don't know if it'll be opening night. Uh, that one, I do think we'll see in theaters. That's Andrew's most oh. anticipated of the year. She's very excited. Is it? I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really good. And uh, the Craigs have finally seen that one. Unlike Eternals, uh, they absolutely love it. Yeah, do we think A.L. Will Smith's finally getting hit? I don't think it's a question. I think he, like, to me, it's the most obvious award of the night. I think he's, I think he's got it. So we can wrap it up here, because I think I'm having my friends over in 20 minutes to play Mario Party. So, All right, yeah, sounds good. Close it up.